0: To the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 21st of December 2008 entitled The Glory of Christmas and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 1 verses 1 to 14. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We're going to take our scripture reading this evening from the Gospel of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 14, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we thank You again this evening, Lord, that we even have the privilege of reading Your Word. We thank You, Father, that we can have health and strength in this place that we can meet in this evening, the freedom to do so. And Father, as we are in this Christmas season, Lord, a joyous time and a happy time, but Father, may it be joyous and happy for the right reasons as our, Lord, our our hearts and our minds and our very beings are focused upon You. Father, we do thank You for loving us enough to send Your Son into this world. Lord, we know that He came for for this specific purpose, to die for our sins that we might have life. Now we pray as we look into Your Word again this evening, we pray, Lord, that You would take and just speak to our hearts in these next moments. Lord, may there be something there. You know the heart of each and every person that is present here this evening. Father, may You take and speak to the heart those words that are most needed. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. For any of you that took part in the distribution of the leaflets that we passed out in the neighborhood this past week, one of the little clippets that was in there said this, If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. Now those words, you may have seen them or heard them before. Don't even know who to give credit to them, but they speak a lot in a few words. We find that as we look into this passage, and I won't take long this evening, we simply really want to focus upon just this one verse here in verse 14 that says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our simple thought this evening, if you would, the glory of Christmas. You see, many people think of Christmas, they think of many things, but I want us to look and think because this passage here tells us that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the Bible says. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word. It doesn't take much to figure out that the term Word here, when you read these verses, is speaking of none other than God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We find that he said back in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. I made note this morning that it's interesting that Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, God. In John 1 1, it's in the beginning was the Word. Of course, God and the Word are one and the same. We find that both existed in the beginning, both were involved in creation. Both are deity, God the Father, and God the Son, one God. Jesus is called the Word. We find that uh, in a more simple frame of mind, if you would, why do we use words? Each and every one of us, we use words to express our thoughts. We find that this word logos that is, that is used here, that is translated from the Greek into our English, is the word word and of course, logos is more than sometimes we think of a word as just simply the letters that are put together in a stream. but you see the word is the very expression this is the very expression of god it 's not just that which was spoken in the beginning. God spoke, and it was the power of word is is beyond our imagination, even but the truth is that it goes even more before those spoken words ever come out it 's the whole concept, the whole thought process, and everything we. We use them to express a thought. Uh, it's what we use to express what is in our mind, what we are, are thinking. Uh, you know, if I'm thinking of an object that is sitting on a counter and it has a, a door on it and it's something that you use to, to cook food really fast, then I attach a word to it and I call it a microwave and you know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm talking about. I have expressed that thought to you. It's the way that we Communicate thoughts to each other. It's the way that you understand what I'm thinking and I understand what you're thinking because we express that. Jesus is called the Word. You see, He is the very expression of even the very thoughts of God, of who God is and and what God is like. The Bible teaches us here that Jesus, the Word, is what reveals God to us, He communicates God to us. To us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The idea of being with someone can have all kinds of various meanings. Uh, we can be with somebody in a crowd, in an auditorium where there's lots of other people around without really being with them. When this says that the Word was with God, it means literally what it says. You see, Jesus is closer to God the Father than any other person in the universe, with the possible exception of the Holy Spirit, because the three of them are all in one together, equally close. In verse 18 of this same chapter it says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. No man physically with his eyes, God is a spirit, the Bible says. No man has seen God physically at any time. But he says, This one, the Word, Jesus, he has declared him to us. He has communicated God to each and every one of us. In the beginning was the Word. I said one time that Genesis begins in the beginning, John begins in the beginning. The only difference is in the beginning when God speaks of it in Genesis, we find that that beginning point, God already existed. And that one that existed created everything that we know, everything that we see, everything that we are. John says, in the beginning was the Word. The problem is that that beginning goes in both directions. For all of eternity He was already there when God created everything that was because the Bible teaches us that He was the Creator Himself. Some will try to explain away that the Word here is the Lord Jesus Christ. Some will say that Jesus was a great teacher. And you know, we know that He was the greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth. Some would give it that He was a mighty miracle worker that He surely performed feats that nobody else could perform. Some would say that He was a great man, that He set the greatest example for all to follow and all of these things. And surely we would admit that Jesus was all of these things. But the Bible says here, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God God. The Word was God. You see, He wasn't just a great man and a great teacher. He wasn't the one that set us to just set the greatest example that ever was. He wasn't the one that showed all of the compassion and love and all of those things alone. He was God in the flesh. We know. We speak of the Trinity. We speak of a, of a triune God, one God, three persons, And nobody can ever explain it. How many people have you heard? How many illustrations have you heard me give in this very church over the years? But nothing fully satisfies it. Why? Because we know nothing else to compare it to. Oh, we can look at the little things like body, soul, and spirit that we are. We can look at the different things that make up light and the different things that make up water and all of these, they're one unit and yet they're made up of all these different entities. But nothing fully explains God because there's nothing else in the universe like God. <laughs> You've heard me say to you before, you know, it's amazing how we use our words to describe things a lot of times. What did it taste like? Well, kind of like chicken. You know, we always compare it to something that we know. The trouble is, is that we try to describe God. The Bible is teaching us here that it was the Word, Jesus Christ, coming in the flesh that declared God to each and every one of us. Verse 2 here, of course, again, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. The same was in the beginning with God. That same Word, that same Jesus. We find in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 27 to 30, when He prepared the heavens, I was there. When He set a compass upon the face of the depth, when He established the clouds above, when He strengthened the fountains of the deep, when He gave to the sea His decree that the waters should not pass His commandment, when He appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by Him as one brought up with Him, and I was daily His delight, rejoicing always before Him. You cannot separate the two. Verse 3 says, all things. Now again, what does the word all mean? We don't even need to go back to the Greek or anything. All things, he says, were made by Him, and without Him, without Jesus, without the Word, was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, verse 16 to 17, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, who He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4 says, In Him was the life, and the life was the light of men. In Him was life. Well, because He was the Creator. He was the very Creator of life. Life did not begin without Him, and we find that life cannot consist without Him. In Him was life because He is God. In Him was life because He went to the cross to die for us that we might have eternal life. Yes, all life was in Him. He created us in the beginning. He gave us life. He breathed into us and made us a living soul. That same God that created us then came in flesh. He went to the cross. He died for our sins that had to be atoned, that had to be paid for so that you could have eternal life. If we could just grasp just how much that God loves us, what He was willing to go through. That's what Christmas is about, folks. That's what we're celebrating. Whatever day of the year that it was that He was born, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, God entering this world in the flesh, knowing that He was coming to die on the cross for you. He wanted to pay for your sins. He wanted to give you eternal life. The Bible teaches that it's not His will that any should perish, God wants you to have that life. He is the life. In Him was life. Because when He died upon that cross and they placed Him in that tomb, it couldn't hold Him, praise God. <laughs> they found an empty tomb on that third day because He conquered death. You see, death sometimes can be a little frightening. You know, I don't, I don't know of anybody that wants to take number to be the next one to, uh, to meet death. But as Christians, we don't have to fear death. You know, I'll be quite honest with you. You know, in in my flesh, I'm I'm just like the Apostle Paul. You know, sometimes you're kind of torn between. If I get to thinking about heaven, and I get to thinking about what it's going to be like, and I get to thinking about being face-to-face with Jesus Christ and face-to-face with God, when I get to thinking about leaving all the problems and the difficulties and the the troubles of this life behind sometimes, yes, I can just glory in the fact of what it's going to be like but at the same time in my flesh. You know, I have a family that I love very much and I love being with my family and I love being around my family and and I love many of you. And the truth is, is that I'm not raising my hand to be the next one to go. But I can say in my heart with absolute certainty, because that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and died upon that cross and rose the third day, and I am not ashamed to say to you this evening, Folks, this is one place that I will put all of my eggs in one basket. My trust is totally in Jesus. I know me better than anybody here. My wife probably comes the closest, but I know me better than anybody here. And I know without a doubt that it's only by God's grace. It's only because of who Jesus Christ is. You see, if Jesus Christ isn't all that He says that He is, if Jesus Christ isn't the hope that I have placed all of my hope in, then I want to tell you this evening, I have no other hope. He is my only hope. If the God that created me and placed me here did not love me enough to do what was necessary because it wasn't God, but He gave you and I a choice. He gave you and I a choice just as He gave Adam and Eve a choice, that first man and that first woman. Can I repeat this to you one more time? You know, the question of whether God loves you is not in question, but for you to be able to love God, He had to give you the opportunity not to love Him. You had to have the choice. If He had created a robot, He could have created a a computer brain that would never make a mistake, that would never get anything wrong, that would never sin, that would never do anything. But your computer can't love you. If He created a robot, if there hadn't been that choice, The choice to love also is the choice not to love. Each and every one of you have that choice. You see, there is no question of God's love for you. But the question is, do you love Him in return? You alone can make that choice. You made a choice. You made a choice to be here tonight. You make a choice of who you're going to be with and who you're not every day of your life. Many of you right here this evening have made a choice for that husband or that wife that you loved enough that you wanted to spend the rest of your days with that individual. You made that choice. Nobody could make it for you. Well, I'm saying if you would, God has proposed to you. God has said, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I want you to spend all of eternity with me in heaven. But you have a choice. You can accept that or you can reject it, each and every one of us. The life is the light of men. We find that in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, the Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, The Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Verse 5 here says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness couldn't take it over. You know, we used that illustration this morning that you can't measure darkness. You can only measure light. Darkness only exists because of a lack of light. Darkness can never overcome light. You can light even the smallest match in that light. Look at all of these candles around us this evening. You could blow them out one by one and we would have less and less and less light in here. But darkness is just the absence of light. But the darkness couldn't overcome Him. You see, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior... You're part of the kingdom of light. If you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, you're still under the power of that darkness. My friend, you need Christ in your life. You need the light. You need to be able to overcome the darkness. The darkness can't overcome Him, but you need Him to overcome the darkness. All of those verses are are telling us about the Word, but it says the Word was made flesh. We've already seen that Jesus is the Word, existed from the beginning. But there was a time when Jesus was made flesh, or if you would, became flesh. We had the reading this morning in the carol service Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. A child is born. A son is given. We know that Micah prophesied exactly where it would take place in that little village of Bethlehem. You want something to help you realize all the preparation that we talked about this morning of what God put in to this day when He came in the flesh to this earth? Go back and look at all of the intricate details of the prophecies of the Old Testament that proclaimed exactly how that one would come and what he would do when he got here and look at how they were fulfilled in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 8 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, Christmas is about the God of the universe becoming flesh. The Word was made flesh, he says, and dwelt among us, and dwelt among us. I won't tell the illustration again. I think it was last Sunday maybe that I gave the illustration. The king that went amongst his own people that didn't know who he was. The truth is, is that Jesus Christ came amongst us. Not many people accepted him. Many rejected him. The fact was that He was God in the flesh. When Jesus came to this earth, he came, humbled himself, came in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. We find that he came to a lowly family. He didn't come with royalty, living in the pastle, the, the, pa- the castles and the, and the palaces. He was among all of the sin of this world and yet completely sinless. He was among all of the sickness, the frustrations, the difficulties, the unfairness, everything that you have had to face. He overcame it all for you. I know, please, I know. I sympathize with you. I know. Have you ever had your children say to you, that's just not fair? We say that to God a lot of times. God, that's just not fair. And it may not be fair in our thinking, in what we see in all that there is. Oh, but I want to tell you, my friend, God is never, never, never wrong. He can't be wrong. He knows what you need. We know what we think that we need a lot of times. and A lot of times what we want certainly is not what God has felt that we need at that time. But God is God. And He's on the throne. And He came literally in the flesh to live and dwell amongst us. The Bible says, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. (laughs) You see, John, the one that was writing this, he was an eyewitness. He could say, I saw the glory of His miracles. I saw Him when He fed the 5,000. I saw Him when He He healed the blind. I saw Him turn the, the water into wine and raise Lazarus from the dead. John could say, I saw the glory of a sinless life, the only one that ever existed. When others would be unreasonable, Jesus was always right. When others would lose their tempers, Jesus never lost his. When others sought their own glory, Jesus only sought to see the Father glorified. When others lied and stole and cheated, Jesus was above it all. Jesus could say, I saw the glory, or John could say, I saw the glory of His death. We could turn back and we could read Isaiah 53. We won't read all of it, but let me just give you these few verses. Verse 6 says, And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him. Jesus, the Word, the one that became flesh and, and dwelt among us, hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so He openeth not His mouth. He was taken from the prison and from judgment. Who shall declare His generation? For He was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Remember, this was Isaiah writing what some 700 years before the event even took place. Oh, John saw the glory of a resurrected Lord. He saw the glory of His ascension back into heaven to be with the Father. And of course, this same John would later see the glory in a whole different way (laughs) when the book of Revelation that we have that gives us the wonders of heaven and what's before us, when all of that, John was allowed to get a glimpse of that. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us John said, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. Grace. We normally describe it as God's unmerited favor. That that God gives us which we do not deserve. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Folks, I could preach there, and I could preach there, and I could stay there. God's grace, Jesus Christ, God coming to this earth in the flesh, full of grace and truth. You find that it's all of grace. None of us deserve anything except to pay for our iniquities. But God in His grace, right here, right now, at this moment in your life, He wants to give you life. He wants to forgive you for every sin, for every little white lie that you ever told, for every time that you was ever disobedient, for that pencil that you took that didn't belong to you, for whatever it was, the wages of sin is death. If we can only begin to comprehend to a holy God that is above sin, the consequences of sin Do you realize, do you remember that sin of disobedience? I've said it to Bethel many, many times before. You know, in the Garden of Eden, they didn't rape anybody. They didn't murder anybody. They didn't do these horrible sins. They disobeyed God. That sin. That sin is what brought death into this world. It's what brought the curse of death upon this world. That's not the way God created it. That's why. Mark this now. God has created this earth, and He's given you a choice. We made the choice of sin and the consequences that come with it. But there is another place. That's the place where God dwells, which is above sin, where there is no sin. And do you realize that even here this evening, if I would be blessed enough to have right here in this congregation this evening the most honorable person that's ever lived on the face of this earth, the most moral person that's ever lived, I mean if you've got it more right than any other human being, if God let you into heaven on your merit, that one lie that you told, that one time that you were disobedient, that one sin that you committed would destroy heaven for all of eternity because with that sin would enter in death into that place called heaven. God wants you there, and He wants you to have life, and the only way to have life is to be without sin, and the only way to be rid of your sin is to pay for your sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He wants you to have that life. He's paid for your sin. You just have to be willing to admit it. Yes, it's a humbling thing. Yes, it's a humbling thing to say, yes, I admit I'm a sinner. I've sinned against God and I don't deserve forgiveness, but I seek that forgiveness because I want life, and I want that life for all of eternity and Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's why I can come to God and ask for forgiveness, because Jesus paid for my sins. He died. My sins have been paid for because He did it. Lord, forgive me because of what Jesus did, not because of what I can do. I can do nothing It could have myself and plead for mercy and know that what Jesus Christ did was sufficient. Grace and truth. John chapter 14, a wonderful, wonderful chapter. Verse 6 Jesus himself, just prior to being led into the Garden of Gethsemane, prior to being led to the trials and facing Calvary, Jesus told his apostles there, He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He is the only way, but He's the way for you this evening. He is truth. What He does is true. What He stands for is true. It's truth. It's impossible for Jesus to sin. It's full of grace. He satisfied the, the need that truth has for sin to be punished he was full of grace and truth psalm 85:10 says mercy and truth are met together righteousness and peace have kissed each other what god went through he came into this world he came in the flesh the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Folks, we're celebrating Christmas. But Christmas is, and listen, I love Christmas. I love, the fact, I, I, I love this year, God willing, we'll have five of our six children with us. And, and I look forward to spending that time with family. I look forward to it. But the truth is, the only reality, the only reason that we celebrate Christmas. You know, God wants us to enjoy ourselves. The people of God always had festivals all through the Scriptures, but in the right way. We don't have to be involved in the sins of the world to enjoy Christmas. We ought to be thankful, just like I say every Easter. Every Sunday ought to be Easter to the Christians. Yes, we take that day and we, we celebrate His resurrection. We should be celebrating the fact that God Himself became flesh. You see, the glory of Christmas, the only true glory of Christmas is the Lord Jesus Christ. But this Christmas, will you know that glory of Christ? Does He have a place in your heart? You see, I'd I'd have to admit to you that if you're here this evening and if you don't know Christ... If I could could take and twist your arm behind your back hard enough that you would accept that truth, I would do it. If I could get in your face and scream and shout something that was enough to to shake you up that you would do it, I would do it. If I could love you and, and, and hug you, if there was something that I could do personally that you could leave through those doors this evening knowing that your life that you have now in this flesh will not end at the grave one day, but that this is just a a dwelling place, a tabernacle, but that you are alive for all of eternity because of Jesus Christ. If I could do that for you, I would, but I can't. No matter how bad that I want to, I will love you, despite whether you receive or you reject. I still love you. You know that There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you any more. He loves you perfectly just like you are. That's why He's done all that's necessary. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. That's the glory of Christmas, that God Himself humbled Himself and came in flesh to this earth to die for your sins. His creation, you're His creation. And yet He came to die for your sins so that He could offer you life everlasting, life without sin, life eternal in the heavens. Father, I thank You this evening for our time. Lord, I know that I've skipped over a lot of this hurriedly for the sake of time this evening. But Father, I pray that You can take this simple verse, that You can help it to find a resting place in the hearts of each one here this evening. Father, I don't know anybody's heart except my own. And I know that even with myself that the Bible teaches me that the heart can be deceitful above all things. In reality, it's only you that really know our hearts. But Father, I thank you that I can have that certainty within me this evening of knowing that I belong to Christ. Lord, I thank you for loving us enough to be willing to come to this earth to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserved. Lord, to raise Yourself that third day, to conquer death, hell, and the grave for us, that we might have that gift, that free gift, to accept right here this evening. Father, I would like to pray especially this evening for anyone in our presence that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, they don't need religion. They don't need the Baptist. They don't need any church or organization. They need Jesus Christ. They need Jesus Christ. They need to know Him personally. They need to accept that wonderful, the greatest gift of all eternity, that gift of eternal life that You've come to offer them. Oh, I pray, Lord. I pray that You would help them to recognize Your love, to recognize their need, to have the faith just to trust You. Father, I pray that this Christmas, that we might see the glory of Christmas, they can only be seen. They can only be found in one person and one person alone. That's in the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. Amen.